T-minus 90 seconds and counting. All systems are go. We're about 90 seconds from the launch of Space Shuttle Discovery. T-minus 60 seconds and counting. We are transferring to orbiter internal power at this time. Discovery is now running off its three onboard fuel cells. Coming up on a go for all the sequence start. And we have a go for auto sequence start. Discovery's onboard computers have primary control of all the vehicle's critical functions. T minus 17 seconds and count. 15, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and start. Two, one. Boost ignition and liftoff of the Space Shuttle Discovery, returning to the space station, paving the way for future missions beyond. Good morning. Good morning. Did anybody like that? Yeah. <laughs> I like it too. Oh, amen. This sounds a little bit hot there, but uh, anyway, 7.2 million pounds of thrust to get the space shuttle up out of the gravitational pull of Earth, break the sound barrier, break, break out of our atmosphere, 7.2 million pounds of thrust. 
an overcoming of gravity, yeah. an overcoming of everything that's holding it back. Yeah. Have you had anything in your life that's holding you back? Have you had anything that you've been trying to overcome in your life? Uh, we've been talking about overcoming. If you haven't heard the first part and the second part of an overcoming life, you need to go hear it because you talk about a timely message. You know, the Lord gave me this message. I went to a series of uh, teachings all week, heard 15 different messages, but the Lord had already given me an overcoming. I get back home and I find out, man, some people needed to find out about some overcoming. Amen? Is there anybody in here that wants to live an overcoming life? Let your amen be loud. Amen? All right, I was wondering if you were here. Glory to God. Well, talk about a hot off the press message. You know, I had the message all planned out. Everything's good. It's a good message. And I wake up this morning and uh, I get up, mm, stretch, wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know what time it is, but it's zero dark 30. And I'm like, oh man, stretch. What time is it? It's 321. And right then the Holy Ghost says to me, three, two, one. And I knew immediately what that meant. I knew immediately, okay, the message just changed, amen? And I'm talking about we're coming in sideways. I had George, I said, pull the door too loud so Nicole knows I'm here. And uh, so if you heard it, that's what it was, because I was coming in in this message sideways, you know. And uh, the Lord was giving me scriptures and scriptures. We need to have an overcoming life, but there's things, you know, that looked awesome. Anybody enjoy that video? Did you like that? I love watching that. Some of us, though, some of us that are old enough, as soon as he said, now that was the discovery, but as soon as he says, go at throttle up, we remember a time with the Columbia where they said, go at throttle up, and it didn't make it. The Challenger, yeah. Challenger, and it didn't make it. Challenger, go at throttle up. Thank you. I remember watching that on TV and going, oh no, what happened? You know, many of our lives have been the exact same way. Man, we had great plans. We had awesome things. Great plans. Then we come to know Christ, and it just all looks upward, and all of a sudden, it's, it's, we think everything's all systems go, and then all of a sudden, it feels like catastrophe. Jesus said this. He says, don't worry. Take no care. I've overcome the world. No matter where you've been, what you've faced, listen, that looked awesome. That looked beautiful. But I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of stuff that took, the, took it to get there. You know, you saw the space shuttle standing upright on the launch platform. But many of you, how many have felt at one point or another in your life, like my space shuttle, my life ain't even standing up straight. Like if I'm, I'm all cockeyed, laying on the side, if the rockets went right now, we're in trouble, right? I've been there. I know what that feels like. I imagine all of us know a little bit about what that feels like. But Jesus said, and he told us this, don't fear. Don't fear. Fear not. He said, for all, you can do all things through me. He said, I have overcome the world. And then he goes on to tell us in other parts, I'm in you and you in me. And if I'm an overcomer, then you now therefore are an overcomer. You have the overcomer inside of you. If you have Christ in you, you are an overcomer now. And you may ha have times when you are all cockeyed on the launch 
on the launch pad. Maybe you're laying over. Maybe you feel like you, the ship of your life is laying in pieces around it. But God says, I know how to put you back together. I know how to restore you. And I know how to launch you. I know how to help you overcome no matter what you face. No matter what, you have me in it. And he says this. He says, I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And if we know that, then we know that if we'll take Jesus by the hand, then he will always lead us to triumph in Christ. There's a moment when it wasn't that beautiful, when it didn't work like that, when, when all the things didn't come together and they hit go it throttle up with the challenger and all of a sudden you saw it. I mean, every, I've watched this video probably four times just this morning and every time he says throttle up, my body cringes. There's things in our life where we get to certain places in our life where we're like, oh God, am I going to make it this time? You know, in my family... In my family, uh, my dad was a pastor, and he was a pastor for about four years. And then, then it just kind of blew up, and I had to get over that. But I can remember when we started Boomerang in 2009, one year, two year, three year, four year, right there around 2013, I cringed. I cringed because I had been there before when a pastor blew up. I had been there. I had lived it. And maybe you have those moments in your life. And, and we can still, I can watch that video and cringe, even though I, I know what's going to happen in the video. Yet right then, when I'm watching, it says, go at throttle up. And I, I cringed again because I remember watching that. We have these moments, but we have to say, even though I have had this moment before in my life, even though I've had this moment where everything did not go right I have an overcomer on the inside yeah. of me. And Jesus says, I don't want you to look to the failures. I don't want you to look to the world. I don't want you to look to the curse. I want you to look to me. Set your eyes on me. Follow those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Now it says that in Hebrews 6.12. He says, don't be sluggish. Don't be lazy. See, the lazy thing is to cringe and focus on the cringing. Focus on the past failure. But the faithful man or woman of God is the one who says, I'm not going to be lazy about this. Even though I cringe, I'm going to set my eyes on the prize. I'm going to set my eyes on Jesus and I will overcome. Yeah. Amen. I will overcome. I will overcome. I will overcome. You can say that with confidence because you have Christ in you. When we're talking this morning, you'll see if they'll put the graphic up talking about an overcoming life, R5, uh, they have that picture, R5, restore, refocus, refire, release, and relaunch. You know, you may have had those blow-ups in your life, but the first thing you need to do is you need to look at Jesus to be your restore. You remember the verse in Matthew 5 that it says this, it says that... Uh, Blessed is he who mourns, for he shall be comforted. There's a period of time. There's another verse that says, you know, laugh with those who laugh, mourn with those who mourn, or weep with those who weep, right? There's a time when, you know, because we live in a world that's it's got its problems. It is, it is not complete. It is, the world is not saved. The world is corrupted. The world is broke. And we're designed to be lights. We're designed to be overcomers. Where the darkness is in the world, we overcome by letting the light shine through us. 
We overcome by letting that light shine through us. There's a time when morning comes. But see, here's what we've got to understand. If morning does come, if we find ourselves in a place of mourning, no matter why it's there or how it got there, the only answer to fulfill that verse is to set our eyes on Jesus as the comforter. If we stay in mourning, we're never letting him fulfill the comfort. So he can take us from a tragedy and he can turn it back. He can restore us. He can put us back on the launch pad, put us back together, set us straight. And if you're sitting here hearing this message this morning and you're hearing it online, he can set you straight. He can put it back together. You may have been trying to do things in ministry. You may have been trying to do all these things. Jesus can put Put it back together. I can't put it back together for you. I can carry some anointing that I can pass out. But it's not my job to put it back together for you. My job is to point you to the one who's already overcome. The one who can heal. The one who can comfort in Jesus. Because if you'll put your eyes on him, he's the only hero you need. He's the only hero you need. This looks good and there's dreams and goals that we have in our life and then some, somewhere along the line many times life has happened and we find ourselves in a rough spot. That didn't just happen. I want you to see this. I want you to see this video. And there's no sound to it. I'm just going to kind of narrate. And, and on the video, be ready to hit the pause button if I tell you to. But I want you to see this video because before we got to the space shuttle and now the new rockets that they're coming out with, this is where we were at. Reaching for the moon. Go ahead. Reaching for the moon. Trying to make sure that we didn't lose a big race towards the moon between us and Russia, the USSR. In the 1950s, here we are. Here's all the missions to get to the moon. 1958, 1958, unsuccessful, 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 unsuccessful. USA and USSR, partial success, pause. Partial success. But that wasn't the US. That was... Russia, and they didn't succeed, they had partial success, unsuccessful, unsuccessful, unsuccessful. Have you felt like that before? It's like, God, I can't win. And yet, watch this, here we are, that was 1958. Now, here's the first successful mission, but it's not the U.S., it's Russia. The first spacecraft to impact the moon's surface. Again, un unsuccessful, USA, USSR, successful. Oh, all they did was they, they took pictures of the lunar, of the backside of the moon. But it wasn't the U.S. There's times in your life, just keep that video up there, there's times in your life where you're going to go through and you're going to try something, but that doesn't mean you give up on God. Right. It, look, they, I'm telling you how we got to the moon and how we broke the sound barrier and how we broke the gravitational pull. It was not just man's logic that did it like we talked about last week. It was an anointing that allowed men to think outside the box. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And there's times where you're going to go in and you're going to say, Lord, I'm trying to get this right. And you know what? I still got issues in my flesh. And sometimes I try to apply this and I fail. Okay, I failed. Now, I pick myself up, 
I dust myself off. Right now, the, the USA, they're losing. They hadn't even had a success, not even a partial success. The Russia's had a couple. They're losing. Unsuccessful, 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 unsuccessful. Aren't you glad that they didn't stop? Let me tell you, there's people that are walking through this life right here in Albemarle Boomerang. There's people that are walking all around you that are waiting for somebody. They're hoping somebody will not give up, but they'll keep on in Christ. And they don't know the answer that they need, but when you come walking by in the light and the glory of God, and everybody else may have been unsuccessful around you, but you didn't stop because you knew that Jesus was who he said he was, that he would uphold you. You knew that he was an overcomer, and somewhere on the inside of you, you stopped looking at the failure, and you just set your eyes on him. Play the video. Unsuccessful, the first uh, successful Russia, unsuccessful. Then we raced to the moon. They got close to it. Now we're racing to the moon. Look at all of these missions trying to get there. Unsuccessful, 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 unsuccessful. This one's unsuccessful. Hey, but at least we flew past the moon. And then... The first U.S. success, 1964, pause it right there. And all we did was get, we got close-up pictures. 1958, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64. Six years of losing. Six years of losing. I mean, how do you imagine they felt? I imagine they, er they erupted in cheers and everything else. But at the same side, on the back side, it's like, oh, well, we're supposed to be getting to the moon. We took pictures, golf clap. Many people have had lives just like that. Six years before they have their first success. Oh, and then they had another one right after that, 1965, another success. It's like, hey, we're on a roll now. We had two successes in seven years. Two. Keep playing it. Unsuccessful. Another success. Unsuccessful. Un they impacted the moon. That was Russia. Unsuccessful. Russia's successful. Unsuccess, unsuccess, successful. They landed a soft landing. Russia landed a soft landing. Keep going. USA, successful. First U.S. moon landing and a photo from there. Not people, but they landed. Woo! We landed on there. Successful, successful. Keep going. Unsuccessful. They we we busted. We crashed into the moon. Partial success. 67, they visited the moon later. They had landed something, then they, then they visited it later and found out it actually worked. You see this? The Apollo 12 crew, they found it later. They, I guess they weren't even sure that they knew that it had, take, that it had been fully successful until they landed there later. Sometimes you're going through and, and you're going through life and you don't even know, like, was that successful? I'm not sure. And then three years later, somebody tells you a testimony. You're like, glory to God. Right. It, Leave the video right there. Switch it back to me for a second. I remember one time I was teaching a, a youth a class, and all of a sudden uh, in this youth class, 
you know, I'm going and I'm just pouring out my heart. I'm pouring out my heart. I'm trying to get these kids fired up for God. And it was like pulling teeth. And it's like, you know, the youth were looking at me like, I'm not getting it, dude. And I was pouring out my heart and it felt like forever that I was doing this, struggling. And then it was my time to move out of that. And about a year and a half later, I get an email from one of those youth, and here's what he says. He says, Brian, he said, when you were here in the youth, he said, we were all looking at you like you were crazy, and you were just on fire and pouring out your heart, and it just felt, we didn't know what in the world you were talking about. He said, but I want you to know, the seeds that you planted in me, something happened to me this Sunday, and something that you planted, it came up, and it sprouted, and it brought about a harvest, and I want you to know that I'm on fire for God right now, and I'm so glad. Thank you so much for pouring out your heart in me. I didn't even know I was successful. I thought that was a failure. There's times where you just keep standing. This is how you overcome. You look to the overcomer within you. Let's look at this as we finish up this video. Unsuccessful. Successful. Successful. Now we're starting to learn how to be successful. They, the first living creatures fly past the moon, but that's by Russia. The first humans orbit the moon. This is 1968. This is 10 years, and we finally get people there, but they don't land. Keep going. Successful, unsuccessful, unsuccessful. Even after successes, they're still having unsuccesses. Keep playing it. 1969, it says we land on the moon. We, we win the race. 11 years of failures. You know, that first video you saw, you see that space shuttle breaking the sound barrier, breaking out of the gravitational pull of the earth. 7.2 million pounds of thrust, but it didn't just happen. It, that, that was a costly, costly price. There were some people that plowed the ground ahead of uh, a discovery there. There were some people that plowed the ground, and God's calling you to plow some ground. And guess what? You may be sitting here saying, I can't plow the ground for nobody. Let me tell you something. There's people that have plowed the ground ahead of you. And then the word says this. Just put up on the screen Hebrews 6, 12. The word says this, that if you will not be lazy and not be slothful, but set your eyes on Christ and follow them who through faith and patience inherited the promises, you can inherit the promises as well. You might be the kind of person that doesn't feel like you can break any ground for anybody, but I, I am the kind of person, look, just somebody lead me and I'll do my diligence to follow. And if you see those people who are receiving the power of God, who are flowing in that, whose healing and miracles and restoration is, prosperity is following those people, we're seeing that here all the time. I'm getting reports all the time of people that are healed and delivered and set free. It's happening two and three, four times a week. And it's not just by me. It's happening in this place. And you might be the one that says, I can't break new ground, but I will commit myself to follow some others that have done it. I open up my heart like what we were saying last week. I might not know how to do it, but Lord, I'll open up my heart and open up my mind to the anointing to do what it needs to do. I will follow those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. 
I might have had many unsuccesses. And look, you may be the kind of people that are breaking new ground. You may be the kind of people who have already had some success. You may, you may be the people, I, I feel like we've had some success. At the same time, I feel like we're just getting started. I feel like, you know, we just orbited the moon. We still got a long way to go. But I know this, that if I'll set my eyes on God, Whatever needs that needs fixing, God will fix. Whatever's broken, he'll put back together. Whatever's standing all, off to the side, he'll set it up straight. I just got to put my eyes on Jesus. I just have to put my eyes on Jesus. Here's the thing about being restored. You may have had all these unsuccesses and you may feel broken, but God is a restorer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He lies me beside quiet waters. He restores. He restores my soul. But don't miss the bigger, bigger point in this. He's a restorer. That's who he is. When you got broken stuff, he restores it. It's who he is. Does anybody in here know a restorer with supernatural power? To put it right. Is there anybody in here that knows a restorer named Jesus Christ? And if you'll set your heart and your faith towards him, he'll restore you today. He'll restore you. He restores, he's a restorer. In Joel uh, chapter 2, around 22 to 25, he says, I'll restore the years the canker worm has stolen. He's talking about this time we're in right now. And he's saying, even if you lost stuff because you were unsuccessful, unsuccessful, unsuccessful. He says, I'll restore even the time. I'll make it up. I'll multiply it to you. Over in Acts chapter 3 verse 19. You know many times, Acts 3 19. Many times we're in the place needing restoring because of this. Because we did it wrong. We messed it up. It was me. I didn't trip over something. I threw the blockade in the way of my own life. And all we've got to do is just do what God said. Look at this verse. Acts 3.19. Therefore, repent. Turn your heart. Father, I missed it. I missed it. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Now understand that in Corinthians it talks about a difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. You can't really repent unless you have godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is just sorry you got caught, sorry you're, having the, you're in this place. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Godly sorrow leads to the place where your life actually changes. All right, Lord, I, I don't want to go this route anymore. I'm tired of it and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. To get on your path. And your actions will actually change. How can you tell if you're in worldly sorrow or godly sorrow? You can tell because how your actions are after that. Where did I go? What did I do? Did I change? We need to look at the fruit of repentance. The fruit 
of change. I've got to make sure, hey, did I change? He says, therefore, repent and return. I've got to make sure I'm not just sorry for getting caught. I don't just want my circumstances to change. How many times in, in over 10 years of pastoring have, have we seen somebody who's like, I'm so sorry about this. I mean, they're in a jam, you know. I'm so sorry. And, and it looks like, I mean, they are truly, they're up here. They're at the altar. They're crying. But all of a sudden, their situation gets fixed. And they go right back to it. Why? Because they just wanted to get out of the situation. They didn't actually want to be godly. You can't be an overcomer and be ungodly. God wants you to break some limits. He wants to thrust you past the forces that are holding you back. But you can't reach those, you can't reach those heights without turning to God and letting him rewrite some stuff on your heart. Therefore, repent and return to God. Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, we repent. If we need restoration, we repent, confess our sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us. Confess, get back on track, put on godliness, and we'll get into the presence of God, and the presence of God will start to refresh us. Right now, just close your eyes for a second. Anybody who needs to be restored in any way, it doesn't matter if it's big. Almost all of us need to be restored in something. Lord, right now, we just turn our heart. We repent. Lord, we change our ways. We change our mind. We change our heart. Lord, I'm asking you right now, restore me. Restore me. Restore me, Lord. Put me on the right track. Let me enter into your presence. And now in the name of Jesus, for everyone whose heart prayed that, refreshing come now. Peace and grace come now in the lives of people. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Looking at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, he is a restore. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. Look, look here at verse 10. It says, After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in, in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. This word perfect, in other translations, you know what it says? He'll restore. He'll restore. And let's just answer the question for a second. Restore to what? Restore to the good you had before? No, 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 no. Restore to the place of godliness without the curse like it never happened. You're not just going to the best you can remember. You're going to the best God can remember. You're going to the place of his restoration. But how do we get to this place? How do we get to the place where our ship is set back straight, where it's put back together? We've got to hand our lives over to God and say, Lord, I need your hand. I can't fix this by myself. Matter of fact, most of us have tried to fix it by ourselves. It ain't been working. We've tried every other thing but actually letting God do what he does. 
it's not really a joke, but some people have laughed at it. And, they, you know, somebody comes to the end of their rope and somebody goes, well, I guess we can pray. And then somebody else says, my God, has it come to that? It, it, you know, it, it's funny in one sense, but it's extremely sad that we put that last. We put godliness last instead of at the first. Because if we just put him at the first and actually hand ourselves over, look, here I am. Like, like Isaiah, I'm undone. I can't stand in your presence. I, I'm bringing nothing without you. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Well, if it comes from above and I was below before it came, what am I bringing to the table? Uh-uh. I'm, I'm undone. And then God said, just like he did in Isaiah 6, all of a sudden the angel sweeps down, grabs a fire of God to purify and cleanse and restore, and he comes right down and touches it to the lips. And, he, and then all of a sudden the very next verse, Isaiah, who was undone and ruined, the very next verse in Isaiah 6, he says, here I am, send me. God can do the same to you. He's a restorer. But you've got to come hum humbly. He says, look, I can perfect, strengthen, establish. I can restore you. But what came before that? Look at 1 Corinthians uh, 5, or excuse me, look at 1 Peter 5, 5. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders. Oh, wait, I got to be subject to somebody? Well, this is godliness. Is this talking about spiritual age? No, this is talking about, he, over in Timothy, he says, hey, don't despise your youth. I put you in charge spiritually over here. Don't despise your youth and don't let people despise your youth. He's not just talking about spirit, physical age, although that's important as well. But he's also talking about a spiritual age. Who's walking this out? Who's seeing results? Who's walking on top as an overcomer? Subject yourselves to the elders that are actually doing this thing right. And, he, and this is God's way. It's not Brian's way. This is God's way. He says, subject yourself to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards God. Oh, wait, that's not what it said. That's how we've lived sometimes, sometimes. But that's not what it said. Clothe yourself with humility towards the pastor. That's not what it says either. Yeah, him too. But it says, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Even when people cut you off in the go-kart track, Marky. <laughs> she said, that dude cut me off and he did it on purpose. <laughs> she was joking. She's like, I got to work on my offense. Clothe yourself with humility towards... One another, even that dude. <laughs> For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You can't care for yourself better than God will. And guess what? You're not anointed to care for yourself. And guess what? No, neither is any other man. 
not like Jesus. Now, God will move through men, but if it works, it's Jesus at the root. It's Jesus Christ at the root. Cast your anxiety on him. That means how much anxiety, anxiousness are we supposed to carry? None. See, it's hard to be restored if we're not willing to let go. Recently, I forget what it was, but Nicole said, uh, she said, God, I just can't do this without you. I'm just putting it in your hands. And, and she said, God said, it's about time. I know none of y'all been there, but we've had to be there several times before in our life. It's about time. Why? Because when you're in there trying to work, God's not going to push you out of the way and get in there. No, he's like, hey, you want to work? I've given you some authority in your life. Okay. And he's sitting there going, God, I wish, I wish he'd let me help. Our kids have been like that many times. Man, they're struggling, straining. You know, one of those things, you know, they're trying to reach something and they can't reach it. They're never going to reach it without utilizing outside help. They're, they're not that tall yet. They're growing. They ain't grown, right? They're trying to reach it and they're sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, we're sitting there like, man, how long is this going to go on? How long is this going to happen? Like, this is never going to work. Hey, do you want any help? No, I got it. Okay. I can do it in a false pride. I can do it. You know, seemingly 36 hours later. Mom, Dad, will you help me? I'd love to, please. Let me do it for you. Or we pick them, and this is what Jesus most of the time does. He grabs us and goes, here, let you still have the success, but I'm the one who lifted you. He restores. It's who he is. That's his character. That's his nature. And then you see this. He says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be, uh, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, seeking someone to overcome. But he's not the overcomer. You're the overcomer. And God says, if you'll resist him in my humility, you can resist him. You can put pressure on him. And I'll stand with you. I'll back you. It'll be your hands, but it'll be my strength. He says, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. They're not being defeated. They're not having unsuccess, unsuccess. They're being accomplished by the person standing next to you that humbles themselves to God and lets God help him. They're being accomplished, and they can be accomplished in you too. You can be an overcomer. You can walk as an overcomer as the overcomer walks in you. After you, he says, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace. In other words, all he's saying is, after you've applied yourself a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory for in Christ, will himself, he'll do it. He'll do it right through you. If you could see it, it'll be you, but he'll just shoot his hand right through you and help you do it. And, and all of a sudden, his hand will perfect or restore. It will confirm you. And you. There'll be people you're trying to do something, they'll be like laughing at you like they were with Noah. Hey, what you doing? Where's the rain? I, I thought you had a God that you believed in. Hey, Jesus is with me and he will back 
protect me. If I'll learn how to stand, hear from God, be obedient, and just keep on and not quit, quit. God will come through. And all of a sudden, he will not only restore you, he'll confirm you right in front of them. He, he's a restorer of my soul. He sets a, a table in the presence of my enemies. He'll confirm you. He'll confirm you. He'll strengthen and establish you. R5, restore, refocus, refire, release, relaunch. Many times we need to refocus. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Many times we've had unsuccesses because we've let the, the you know, deception of wealth steal the fruit. We've let the things of life get in the way. And Jesus hasn't been our reason for working. Jesus hasn't been our reason for doing these things. Jesus hadn't been that. He's not been the one that our eyes have been on. It's been me. And all of a sudden, we're not overcoming. We don't understand why I'm working hard. It's because our focus is off. You know, when they, when they had those failures, you know, on the launch pad, and even when men died, you know, they had to set their sights back above. we got to get to that moon. I know we've had some failures, and it was a cost, and we're not belittling that cost, but we got to set our, set our focus back up to where it needs to go. Otherwise, we're going to lose this thing, and we will not overcome. We've got to set our eyes. Many times when you're laying in pieces around the launch pad, when you're set cockeyed on the launch pad and not setting up straight, you've got to turn your eyes back on Jesus. You've got to say, Jesus, you're my focus. You are my focus. You're it. I'm doing these things for you. He says this, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, focus your mind on the things above, not on the things which are on earth. For you have died and your life, hear that, your life, the fullness, the overcoming, it's hidden with Christ in God. You're going to find the overcoming when you set your eyes on Jesus. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 in the New Living. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I focus. Say it with me. Say, I focus. Say it again. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the, past Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I focus on Christ. I focus on Christ. I focus on Christ. Forgetting the past. Unsuccess, 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 unsuccess. They had to stop looking at those unsuccessful attempts and they had to make sure that they set their eyes on the prize. They set their eyes on the goal. They set their eyes on things above or they would have never reached it. This is one of these things that seems to have been lost in America in recent years because everybody, they just want instant gratification. They just want to win because I set my trajectory towards winning, not knowing that winning sometimes there's a cost to it. And we've got to make sure that even if I feel like I have not succeeded, set my eyes on the comforter, set my eyes on the restore, set my eyes on the overcomer that's living in me doesn't matter where we've been or how we feel or what we've seen. If you're hearing this message, you can be an overcomer. He says, verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race 
and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He's calling you to be an overcomer, but it's not going to happen any other way but through Christ. Restore, refocus, refire. Have you ever felt like I lost my fire with God? Let me just ask you a question. Is, is fire your fire my responsibility? No, it's not. Hey, I'm Pastor Brian. Nice to meet you. Who are you? I, nice, nice shave. <laughs> Did anybody look twice at Paul this week? Looks totally different. So glad to have you this morning. I'm glad you're visiting with us. Huh? I, I saw him earlier. Many times we have to refire. It's not my responsibility. You know who else? It's not their responsibility. God's. The fire of God is your responsibility. Because he says this. He says, I wish in Revelation, I wish that you were hot or cold. I wish that you were hot or, uh, hot or cold, but not lukewarm. So be hot or cold. Be hot. It's our responsibility. He's putting that on our plate. It's on our, hey, I've got to be on fire for God. I've got to be on fire for him. And if I've lost my fire, it, I've got to dig down deep and say, Lord, help me find that fire. You know, baptize me fresh in your fire. See, I want, I want you to see something, you know, I want you to see something real quick. Uh, come here, Paul. Now, just stand right here. Let's say that he's God, all right? Look at Hebrews, look at Hebrews 12, 29. For our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. Raise your hand like flames. Glory to God. All right. Jazz hands. <laughs> All right, you can boom down. Our God's a consuming fire. Can he stop it? Can he stop being the fire that he is? No, he can't stop being the fire that he is. That means whatever comes in his presence is going to get lit up because he's not going to put himself out just because you are walking in unholiness or you don't want anything to do with him. He's not going to put himself out, which is why we need to be, you know, handle sin and put it in its place because we can't take sin. You know, we got sin and we try to go into a consuming fire. You know, we're not going to make it. You wanted to catch me. I appreciate that. <laughs> I wanted to catch myself. I wasn't sure I was going to make it. But. He can't put himself out. But if somebody will get in the presence of God, they will be rekindled and the fire will be fresh. But the reason why we don't have fire is because we have stepped away. And this is my responsibility. He's my hero. He's my Lord. He's my overcomer. He's my Savior. 
He's the light of my life. He's my success. He's my solution. I've got to recognize that it's me who stepped over here away from the fire and I'm not feeling it anymore. I'm not walking in it. I'm not carrying it. And even, you know, sometimes we're not supposed to live by feelings, but we are supposed to live by fruit. When's the last time somebody got next to me and got lit up? Because if I'm not lighting other people up with the fire of God, guess what? I ain't burning. I can tell you, I've had to face this in my life. I've had to say, Lord, I, I, help me to light back up with the fire of God. And see, here's the thing. If I'm not carrying the fire of God, then what's going to happen? That shuttle's never getting off the launch pad. I'm never going to be an overcomer. I need the fire of God to kickstart the thrust in my life, to break the forces that have been trying to hold me down, and I got everything I need in God. I have everything I need in Jesus, but my job is to give Get on the launch pad and let him light me up. How many liked it when that thing lit? Anybody? It's like, oh man, I like that. I told him at the sound booth, I said, turn it up. Don't let it be distorted, but let him feel it. That's the way it is with God. Now, listen, when you feel that, oh, glory to God power of God, that fire of a consuming fire, people are going to look at you funny. And that's okay. Let them look. It's when you get to the places you don't care that you actually can carry it. And you can help the people around you. The ones who are sitting on the on the launch pad, and they seem like they got everything in place, but they just don't know. And hey, anybody ever tried to start a car without fire? Like, like it's different today, but back when you had distributors and, and spark plugs, and the spark plug wasn't providing the spark, try to start the car. Talk about irritation. I don't remember my dad cussing much, but I remember once. <laughs> Trying to start a car with no fire or a lawnmower. You know, a car like this, a lawnmower like this. I don't remember them cussing much, but I can remember one time when there was no fire. There's people, they're sitting on the launch pad. They're ready to go. They feel like they got all the pieces in place, but there's no fire. And all of a sudden, if you're carrying it, you can come by carrying the fire. And all of a sudden, the fuel that God's put and prepared, and they're like, and they catch, boom, boom, here, and all of a sudden, you light somebody up, boom, boom, they break that and become an overcome, boom, and it, who cares what people think? Who cares? There's some people that need to be overcomers. God's called us to be overcomers. And we need to get in the presence of God, a consuming fire, and let that fire get on us. And we need to be consumed with it. Thank you. Luke 3.16, John the Baptist said this. He said, there's one coming, and he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. He will baptize you. He will overwhelm you with the fire of God. And it looks funny. And you know what? Most of the people then in the world, they don't want... It's the thing about fire. It's like, it's like bath water. 
If it's really cold, you think twice before you get in. If it's really hot, you think twice before you get in. You count the cost. There's a thing about the fire of God. The world's going to look at you and be like, I don't know what to think about them. But when it comes time for an overcomer, they know who to call because the fire of God will give them the force to break the barriers in their life. It's those late night calls because I know somebody who's carrying something. They're carrying a presence. They're carrying a fire. I've, you know, they've been weird. I don't understand them for years. They're like Jesus freaks. You know, they're fanatics for Jesus. And, you know, they're crazy. Yeah, crazy for Jesus. But there's something about them. There's something they have. I need it. I need it. And the world doesn't necessarily understand it. But the world is more forgiven sometimes than religious folks who think they know something. I mean, just look at the Pharisees. Look at this verse real quick. And, and talking about the fire. Look, at, look in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And here is uh, verse... 23, and Jesus, Jesus has died, he's, he's risen, he's ascended, he sent the promise of the Holy Ghost, and then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes in the upper room. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spill out into the road. They start speaking in other tongues. Very normal, very normal for God. That's how he did it. They start telling about the goodness of God. Then Peter gets up and he starts preaching a sermon. And in the middle of his sermon, he says this. This really stuck out to me. Verse 23. This man, talking about Jesus, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross. By, that's very, uh, a very relevant message that makes people feel good. You people, that's what he said, you people nailed them to a cross. He's speaking to the religious, you know, our, our generation nailed them to the cross. Yeah, you know, this is not a feel good message here, that, and yet 3,000 souls came into the kingdom. He says, now watch this. You nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put them to death. The hands of who? Godless men who thought they were godly. But there was no fire. There wasn't fire. There wasn't anything being carried. They thought they were, they thought they were godly. But Peter, by the Holy Spirit, knowing that all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, Peter preaches by the Holy Ghost, and he's, he declares they were godless. We've got to look back at our fruit. Is our fruit causing people to look at Jesus? We've got to, we've got to be restored. We've got to refocus. We must refire. And so we've got to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm asking you, baptize me, overflow me with the fire of God. Let me come into the presence of God, come boldly before his throne. Come into the presence of God and let me refire. Because not only do I have to break off of that launch pad and break those barriers and break those limits for myself, but I've got some other people that, I, that need to catch the fire too. I need to light some other people that you've prepared and they're ready to go. Yes. And then we've got to release. 
Did you notice in that video that, that right as it took off, things were falling away? There, there was uh, holds on there and it broke off and there was a release. Because if you, if you let the things of the world hold on to you, you can sit on that and you will have a big problem in just a few seconds because you are trying to release, you're trying to break barriers and there's going to be a lot of stuff breaking but it's not going to be the sound barrier and the gravitational pull. It'll be you. So a lot of people, they try to get on fire with God and yet what they do is they hold on to who they were, where they were, friends, ambitions, plans. Well, I always planned. To do this. This is not our life we live. Our life is hidden in Christ. And I've got to let go of those things. I've got to let go of those things. One of the things that we need to let go of so many times is people in our lives that keep us in old habits. Just do a Google search on releasing the Bible, releasing ungodly friends. Just do a Google search and just read through all the scriptures that talk about not being around. Let me just give you a couple. It's pretty important. Psalm 1-1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. How blessed is the man. Not, not how decent is the man. How blessed is the man who doesn't walk with sinners. Who doesn't walk with them. Now I'm going to give you some clarity too. Because some people have taken this and they've gone to the place where they never hang out with any portion of, of uh, people that are not born again at all. That's not what the Bible's saying. But it's saying don't let them influence you. Don't let sin influence you. Don't let habits, worldly habits influence you. In other words, don't take its counsel. You know, if you hang around, if all your friends are unchurched people and they're not growing in the Lord, very soon you're going to be sitting around, they're going to be talking about stuff, and you might not call it counsel, but you're being counseled. They're talking about how good this TV show is and how good this R movie is and how good this is and that is, and, and your brain and your flesh is just eating it up because you're sitting in the counsel of ungodly. Not walking in blessing, but walking in the curse and headed toward it. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. He says this, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with immoral people of this world or with covetous or swindlers or with idolaters for then you would have to go out of the world. Notice Jesus, who did he eat with? He ate with the sinners. In other words, Jesus himself, he, he had some interaction but this is not who he received his counsel from. He was there to be the light. He said... Uh, I wrote in my letter not to associate with immoral people. You'd have to go out of the world in verse 10, verse 11. But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or drunkard, or drunkard or swindler. Not even to eat with such as one. 
not even to eat as such as one. In other words, if you've got somebody who's claiming to be a brother in Christ, claiming to be a Christian, and yet they still have the fruit of the world in their life, an immoral person, he's saying, look, you don't even hang out with that person. Do not even eat with them. This is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. Why? Because that person can then pull you. It can put a catch on your life. It can hold you back from where you're supposed to go. You're supposed to be hanging out with people. How many, look, look, look. How many people in America today claim to be going to heaven? Claiming to be Christian? A lot of them. But yet, how do they live? Are, is their life sold out on fire for Christ? It, are they, and, and look, they might not be quite on fire. They might be heading there. But if they're still living immoral, he says, look, don't even eat with them. And if we find ourselves in that place, we're like, you know, we wake up one day and the Holy Ghost is there and, he, and he's convicting our heart. I've had moments like this in my life. And, and I've been a Christian since I was seven. And even as an adult, even after he called me to pastor, I'm like, oh, that's not a good thing. I need to clean that up. I need to stop right then, hit my knees, and say, Lord, I repent. I repent. I repent. And we need to get back on track, get back into the consuming fire, get back into the grace of God by humbling ourselves into his way. I need to get back to that place. Because I'm not even supposed to hang out with them, much less be living like that. Then he says, don't even eat, eat with one like that. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 33 through 34. We've got to release. Thirty-three and thirty-four. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought. And stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, make sure that you're not just hanging around with the company that you shouldn't. How many, don't, don't raise your hand, but haven't we all at some point after we started trying to go after God, have somebody that just at the wrong time you get the phone call, the text message, hey, you want to hang out? It's like, and you're thinking, your, your spirit man's going, no! <laughs> but your flesh man's going, yes! I do want to hang out with you. And we know. And the best thing, you have to understand, if somebody's not leading you to Jesus, they're not your friend. They're a friend of somebody else, but it ain't Jesus. And they're constantly. And then we get around those people, and guess what? Our character is now corrupted from the company we keep. And while we're sitting there wanting to break through and be an overcomer, we just want to overcome the sickness. We just want to be able to pray for something and it fall off somebody. I just want to lead somebody to the Lord. And we can't overcome because we haven't released the things we need to release. We haven't let go. 1 John 1, 9. But if we found ourselves,
if we found ourselves in the place of sin, he says this, if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Always faithful. You know, one of the things that we need to release ourselves, our own failures, our own disappointments, our own unsuccesses. We need to say, you know what, I messed that up. Yeah, and I, I truly repented for it. Then forgive yourself. Or do we know more than God does? Because he said, I'm faithful to forgive you. So I know more that I should keep myself under judgment and punishment. I've got to get to the place where I forgive myself. And I stop walking in condemnation and I, and I, I have a release of the things that Jesus has paid for. Because if I keep holding on to it, I'm never going to break out of the limits and become an overcomer. I've got to release it. Watch this, Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us release every little thing, the sin that so easily besets us. Let us release that. Let us release the condemnation. Let us release the ties that would bind us to this earth that's corrupted. Let us release everything. Did you notice in that when they go up there and right after it says go at throttle up before long there, there's those two uh, solid rocket boosters and they blew off of there. There's some things that went with you and some people that went with you to a certain level but they won't change and they can't go further with you and you got to be okay with that because just because they go with you doesn't give you the right to stop going. You've got to say, all right, Lord, you are, you're going to allow me to keep going up in you. Now, I'm not talking about your own plans. I'm talking about God's plans because sometimes people can have their own plans and they're like, well, I just, I don't even have to go to church anymore because I'm released because they won't go with me. That's craziness. That, that's completely contrary to the word. That, that does, that's not even scriptural. But yet people are walking in that deception today. But if it, God has told it to you. If God has told it to you and you're on that path, there's some people, they'll go with you to a certain level, but you'll generally hit some level and people will say, well, I'm comfortable here and I don't want to change. And they don't, have, they don't understand that the world is holding them back too. But eventually, if, you can't, if they can't go with you, they have to be released so that you can go to that place. Many of us have experienced that before. You, you want to be around some people that are constantly changing and growing and going higher and seeing more. And they have vision for great things of God. And God is doing in them exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. And even if they're not there, they see those things and they talk about those things. And they, and they have great big goals in Christ. And they're going after them. And they're actively achieving them. These are the kind of people that you want to be around. You want to be around people that are going higher. Many times in, in my thinking and in ministry over the last 10 years, I, I've, I've talked about subjects with people and I can see you ever talk about something that you're big and passionate about and all of a sudden you're talking and you can see them disconnecting. 
and I've talked about great things in God, and many times I've had these conversations, and I can see people disconnecting, right? And they just, they don't see it anymore. They don't see it. But here's what's interesting. I've had many of those conversations, and yet I go back to God, and this is what he keeps telling me. Think bigger. Think bigger. Think bigger. Higher, think greater. Why? Because he's big and he's great and he's got great things for us. He's got great plans for Boomerang. He's got great plans for you. But we've got to allow ourselves to release the weights that will cause our race not to be finished. And then when we've reached that place of restoration and We've refocused on God and we've refired and we've released the things that God wants us to release. It's time to get back on that launch pad and it's time to relaunch. It's time to relaunch. Uh, Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you. Listen, he's talking to you. He is talking. Say, tell your neighbor, say, he's talking to me. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare or to fare well, not for the system that we have today, but for you to fare well. Not for calamity. God's plans for you is not ever for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. In other words, there's a place off the launch pad and it's a place I've called you to. It's a place of great heights to give you a future and a hope and you will fare well in your travel, running your race there. I've got a place planned out. I've got a high goal and you're going to meet it. You're going to get there. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you search for me with all your heart. Listen to this, verse 14. This is God talking to you. I will be found by you. I will be found by you. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. I'll bring you back. I'll restore you. I'll let you hit the heights that I planned from the beginning of time. Many of us, we've found ourselves unsuccessful, unsuccessful, unsuccessful. Our life is laying in shambles around the launch pad. And yet God's saying, if you'll take your heart, give it all to me, search after me with all your heart, I'll be found by you. And I'll let you hit those heights that we had planned from the beginning. I'll restore you. Watch this video. And when we do this, this is us. This is you in your call, in your race. This is you. This is you taking off in the launch pad. When we will get to the place where we will line up with God, be restored, refocused, refired. Release the things that need to be released. It'll be time to relaunch. I hope they have it ready. T minus five minutes and counting. Go for over their ATU start. PLT, perform ATU start. RPG PLT in order. SRO. SRO, you have a range clear launch. And CDR. 
EDR and entire crew is go. Okay, Scooter, look, it's a great day to go fly. On behalf of the KSC Processing and Launch Team, I'd like to wish you, your crew, and the whole Hubble Space Telescope team a, a great mission. Good luck, Godspeed, and we'll see you back here in about 11 days. Enjoy the ride, pal. You've been restored. Nozzle check of the SRB. You've refocused on the goal. Now suppression water system armed. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7. Glory to God, you're refiring now! some music. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to read one last scripture after I read this question to you. I'm going to read one last scripture. I'll read it twice. Read these scriptures as I go through. But as I read these scriptures, I want you to react. It's time to be restored. God's calling you to be restored today. You may have been laying in shambles. You may have been unsuccessful in so many ways. You may have had years since you've had a win. But God says, I'm your restorer. It's time to refocus on the goal. You know, when you first got born again, you knew God's got some stuff for me. And I need to focus on Christ. It's time to get in the presence of God, a consuming fire, and refire. It's time to release some things. Hear that. It's time to release some things today. And it's time to relaunch as an overcomer, one who will never be overcome again. Today's your day, and things are different. This is personal. This is not just another message. He's talking to you today. It's time, it's time, it's time. 
be restored, refocus, refire, release, and relaunch. Now here's my question. I'm not your hero. Jesus is. Now what are you going to do about it? As I read these scriptures, there's an altar right there where you can meet him, come into his presence, burn out what's been holding you back from being an overcomer, and relaunch. You can relaunch this morning right there. You and Jesus, no one else. Forget about anybody else that's going up or whatever. You and Jesus, you don't need me, you need Jesus. My job is just to give you the message so that an anointing would bring you some knowledge and that knowledge would set you free. The knowledge of the truth. As I read these scriptures, relaunch today. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand on the throne of God. Philippians 3.12 Not that I have already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I, I, I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I'm not going to let the mistakes of the past hold me back from the overcoming that's set ahead of me. I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In the Amplified, not that I have now or attained this ideal or I've, already, I've not been already been made perfect, but I press on. You might be sitting there saying, I'm not perfect. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you to press on, to relaunch, to meet the overcomer again, to make it fresh, to get that fresh fire that will ignite you. Don't let even people that are sitting here not moving hold you back. Release what you got to release, the fears, the pressures, the loves of this world. Release it and make a move. Lord, I'm going to put myself on the launch pad. I'm going to receive your restoration. I'm going to receive what you have for me. I don't have to have it all perfect. I just have to press on. I need to lay a hold of, grasp, and make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me. He laid hold of you so that you would lay hold of his calling. It's not just about you. It's about the fact that God said, you've got a plan. You have a mission. You have orders that I've had for you since the beginning of the world. And I laid hold of you. I laid hold of your soul so that you would lay hold of the victory. That you would lay hold of the overcoming. And you're not going to overcome it by sitting still. 
You've got to lay hold of it. You've got to step out and say, I'm taking the overcoming. I'm not going to let what Jesus did sit by the wayside and be ashamed of it and not be bold and not be confident. Jesus, I need you. He laid hold of me, and Jesus made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, and it's my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting what lies behind. You know, there's been stuff holding you in your seat for years. Are you going to do what the Bible says and forget it and let it lay behind you in your seat? Are you going to leave it in your seat and hit the altar of God? Are you going to leave it for good and move to the place of His presence where His fire can ignite you and you can move into that mission? Are you going to let that seat be the very thing that you don't release? Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. This is the goal of a godly person. Straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize, the upward prize the heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. What are we going to do about it today? Right now this altar is open. Waiting at that altar is a heavenly Father who loves you. Waiting at the altar is a mission, a prize, the beginning of a journey, the beginning of an upward call. Waiting at this altar is your destiny in Christ. It's not coming any other way. And our job is to say, Lord, forget about everybody else in the room. It's you and me. Lord, it's you and me. It's you and me. I have a responsibility. When Christ paid his life for me, I deserved to be set free out of death because of him but he deserved to reap my life and right now I'm going to allow him to reap me will you put yourself into the arms of Christ and reap your life I'm asking you now everybody that's sitting in your seat it's time to get up out of the seat and come to the altar and meet Jesus it's not about you being born again again it's about being on fire it's about stop making excuses. It's about receiving restoration. It's about while you're here, God gives you new plans. He refocuses you. For us to sit there is to say that we've got it all together. The problem is I don't see us all having it together. We don't. And every single one of us, individually and as a body, we've got to say, Lord, you've got to redirect my mind. You've got to refocus me. I've got some pieces I need restored in my life. And I'm not going to sit there any longer. It's time for a breakthrough. It's time to overcome. Come now. It's time to refire. I need a touch of the fire of God. I need fire in my life. 
It's not about Boomerang. It's not about Pastor Brian. This is you and Jesus. I don't need to be ashamed. I don't need to be scared. Let me tell you something. God said there is no fear, no fear in love. And I know that some of you are sitting there in that chair and it feels like you got a thousand pound weight holding on you right now. But I'm telling you, under this message and this anointing, you have the power to break that. All you got to do is stand up. But here's what he says. He says, there's no fear in love. So if there's fear holding you back, a lack of boldness, a lack of confidence, a fear in that way, here's what's actually going on. You got an enemy trying to keep you from being an overcomer. And it's time to get up and get to the altar. Today is a day where we all ought to be at the altar. It's not the kind of message where we sit still. It's the kind of message where we step into freedom and we step into overcoming. And I invite you now.